welcome to your uh, Sunday before Independence Day, July 2nd service. It's wonderful to have everybody that's in the room uh, and to have everybody that's online with us today. Thank you for joining us, uh, whether it's live or whether you're with us on the podcast later on this week, you're part of the church service that is Crossroads Church and Ministry. So uh, we're grateful you're here with us. We're grateful that you're going to get to uh, experience uh, a message from Pastor Hannah. We're grateful that you're going to get to experience prayer and communion with uh, Pastor Scott. And you get to be with all of us up here and all of us in the room. So if you haven't had a chance already to do so, um, grab your elements for communion uh, as we'll receive it a little bit. So whatever it is that you have, Um, whether it's bread or crackers or whatever it is, God can bless that and it can be part of our communion service. So uh, we say good morning to you. Don't forget, you can look on our Facebook page and also at ccmonline.org for all the information, all the things that are coming up up this week and weeks to come here at Crossroads Church. So online friends, we say hello. And everybody that's in the room, hi everybody. We um, especially say hi to the kids that are here. we, we know a lot of you guys have probably already been here, but for the new folks that haven't come in yet, uh, we make sure that the ways that we keep uh, our kids safe as they go up to Children's Church is that they have their badge, and then you have your badge that you check in with, uh, and then uh, someone should have grabbed you in the foyer as you came in, and if they didn't, uh, make sure you go back there and say hello to folks there, and they will say hello to you then. And for all of us that are here and have been here, don't forget, it's always quicker uh, to have checked in now than as you're running upstairs to get to Kids Church. So we say good morning to you. We say welcome to the wonder and to the mystery that is a life in Christ. And uh, those are the things that we're going to kind of discover, the wonder and mystery in relationships and the wonder and mystery in getting to know God and being transformed by the love and the peace and the might of Christ. So can we stand together? And as we sing, we're going to sing about the wonder and the amazing love of our God. Hey! Have you ever seen the from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. 
My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth, I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David, I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations, Salah. Happy are the people who know the festival shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. They exalt in your name all day long and extol your righteousness. For you are the glory of, of their strength. By your favor, your horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Lord, that we would follow you all of our days. Morning, everyone. Why don't we take a second just to say hi to those around us, just kind of pass the peace that you brought in with you. Bless one another. So good to be together on this 4th of July weekend. We welcome you if you're online. We extend warm hug to you if you're watching online this morning. God bless you. So good to be together in God's house. Amen. Amen. Happy 4th of July weekend, everyone. We celebrate this weekend. Yeah, thank God. Thank God for the rain. Yes, for sure. Uh, we're grateful for the freedom that we live in, and we're also aware of the lack of freedom uh, that some, not only in our country, but around the world, live in. So we want to be the kind of people that live in freedom and bring freedom, right? It is for freedom. The Bible tells us that Jesus set us free. There is no freedom like freedom in Christ beyond any other kind of freedom, the freedom that Jesus brings is the deepest pursuit that I think any of us can be a part of, but we're, we're so grateful for the freedoms that we live in, and we want to make sure that we're doing all that we can to help others live into that fully. Amen? So happy 4th of July weekend. So as we take communion today, um, we're, we're in this series, we're talking about being together over the summer, being in groups, and um, just being in community together and what that means. And I, I got to tell you, some of my favorite uh, scriptures, gosh, there's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous to even say that because the scripture is just amazing, right? But 
when the church first starts and there's this there's this segment at the end of Acts chapter 2 and this segment at the Acts, end of Acts chapter 4 and then it kind of gets broadened out as time goes on but it really focuses around what community looks like that those that have more are generous with their more that those that have less are receiving and they're also giving it's like this everybody is involved and everybody uh, is a part of what God is doing on the earth people are being healed amazing things are happening so this morning as we go into communion I want to remind you uh, that if you've got a prayer request we want to pray today you can write those down there's a little uh, sticky notes sitting near you somewhere on the table you can write down a prayer request and put that up on this pedestal We'll get to that in a minute, but um, I want to just focus for a minute around what God invites us to, what Jesus invited us to when he comes to the table. Now remember, uh, if you're familiar with the story, Jesus comes to a table at the end of his life before he's about to be crucified, and he, he's, got, uh, he's got everybody at the table, and in particular, Judas is at the table. And Jesus, um, shortly after they break bread, he calls him his friend. Jesus fully knowing what Judas is about to do. But Jesus didn't eliminate anybody from the table. All were welcome. And that's the invitation for us today. I, I read a quote. I, I really, I need to read this to you. It, it inspired me. It challenged me. Uh, I just read it this morning. It's a quote by Beth Moore. And I think this beautifully represents what we need to pay attention to in our own lives and corporately and what the table represents. She said this. She said, when the gospel has become bad news to the poor, bad news to the oppressed, to the brokenhearted, and to the imprisoned, and good news to the proud, the self-righteous, and the privileged. Instead, it is no longer the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So before we break bread together, I just want to take a second. And I want us all to just be mindful of where we can pay close attention to loving God with our whole heart, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. So which part of that is the invitation for us? I just want to take a couple of seconds in silence, and then I just want you, we're just going to do a corporate, just God help us, okay? So let's just think about that. Is there an area with the poor, the oppressed, or just your neighbor, or somebody you're in disagreement with, that it would be good for you to have some growth? And now let's hold our hands, if you're all right with this, just hold your hands in front of you. And God, we bring this person or this situation or this thought before you. We just ask for help. Let us be people that as a community and as individuals, we live in freedom and we bring freedom. And we ask for your empowerment in Jesus' name. Now on that night that Jesus was in the upper room, he took the bread, 
And he took the cup, and he broke the bread, and he said, Every time you do this, remember me. So this morning, as we do this, we're remembering, first of all, that Jesus' body was broken for us, that his blood was poured out for our freedom, for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sin. And as we do this this morning, we want to celebrate and enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ. I invite you, if you have never given your life to Christ before, that this morning you're invited to the table. And I would invite you, even as you come to the table, to perhaps invite Jesus into your life. And let this be a significant moment for you, taking communion with God's people and accepting Jesus into your heart. Amen? So let's break the bread and take communion. Amen. Just a few announcements to share with you before we hear from Hannah this morning. Uh, wanted to welcome you. If you're here for the first time today, we're so happy that you're here with us. And we'd love the opportunity to meet you and give you a gift. So if that's you, if the first time you're here, come on over to Next Steps after service. I'll be over there. would love to say hello to you and give you a gift. Um, just a few things that are happening here also as well. We are part of the uh, series, Great Get-Togethers, and we are, Hannah and her team has put together all these amazing great-togethers. Did I say, I said get-togethers, but it's great-togethers. Great-together, get-togethers. And you see there's so many opportunities, and you're all invited. They, we have pickleball, and we have jamming, and we have lake nights, and we have uh, bonfires. So, so many things happening. So if you're one of those people that have, been saying, I really would like to get connected with some people here at Crossroads, or just test it out. A one-time, you know, two-hour get-together, a great-together would be a great time to meet some new people. So you can snap that QR code right now, or come on over to Next Steps, or check out our, uh, oh, there's a table in the back right under the cross. You can sign up for any of these great-togethers. We'd love to have you there. And then also, we have our men's breakfast coming up on July 15th from 9 to 1030. So I'm not sure what Sean and Ed have cooking up, but they are cooking up a breakfast for any of the guys who want to come hang out and uh, meet together for just a couple of hours on a Saturday morning. So if that's you and you want to sign up, come on over to Next Steps. I can get you signed up, or you can always sign up online. So that's what's happening at Crossroads. Hello, Crossroads. We're Jessica and Shane Gray, and we're here with our friends Sean and Kathleen Lowridge. We've been going to Crossroads now for uh, almost 20 years. We've been married now for over 18 years. And today we'd like to share with you how great uh, relationships have helped shape our uh, marriage, as well as foster our family and, and strengthen us as uh, people. And we brought Sean and Kathleen here to assist us with our conversation today because they were uh, some of our earliest mentors and uh, we still have a great relationship today. Yes. yes. We love patio time. Yes, yes. we love patio time. Gotta have that. When we walked into the church, you know, 18 years ago, we, you know, had lots of baggage and, you know, we were just starting out in a relationship and Sean and Kathleen... Uh, we started going to the life group and developed a friendship with us. And they've been very instrumental in just 
um, you know, our marriage and have really helped us through some tough times in our life. And you're still yeah. in the home group. Yes, we're, we and are. we're still here, yes. We're still, we're still there, there. Yes. 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 So we are definitely a testimony of how we are great together yeah. because we have certainly seen some uh, mountain highs and valley lows and some, some times that uh, we shouldn't have made it through, but because we have each other, and believe me when I say that Sean and Kathleen are here because they're very inter in instrumental in our uh, lives, but we have met many people since coming to Crossroads um, that are just instrumental in keeping us in relationship and making us better people, quite frankly. And so we and are And they love us together. for who we are. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so the, vice versa. Yes, yeah, right. and that's how God meant us to be. He meant us to be in community. He meant us to be in relationship, so that the valley times and the mountain times aren't so high or low, uh, and we can get through them together. And once you get on the other side, whether you're on a high or a low, both can be very difficult, especially when you leave that season. And it's important to stay. And these folks know something about staying. And we're so thankful and grateful for you guys. We love you. And we love you guys. I'm so grateful and thankful for you guys, too. We need each other. Yes. We do. We need yes. each other. We need each other. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Crossroads. Have a great day. <laughs> Well, good morning. Um, thank you to Kathleen and Sean and Jess and Shane for sharing a little bit about your Crossroads journey. Um, I love that line. They know something about staying, right? Like, I dream of in 20 years having these relationships where we're still together. And we've had so many shared experiences with God that when we look back and we can bear witness to all that has happened, right? Um, we not only know that we're great together, but we know that God has been with us in great ways, right? Um, so today we're going to continue in this Great Together series. Um, last week we started by talking about the story arc of the scripture around relationships and how Jesus entered the story and defied our expectations of how God would relate to people and how people would relate to people, which is what's so amazing about Jesus being God and man, right? He taught us both, and we weren't expecting any of it. Um, and so... Today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the command to love each other. Last week we talked about John 15 and how Jesus uses this imagery of the vine, that he is the vine and we are the branches, and that his love is something we remain in. It's not something we go and achieve, something we earn. This would have been like really crazy to people, um, but that when we remain in his love, we are his friends. Um, and when we remain in his love, there is no option but to follow the command to love each other because that is always what God is doing. And when we remain with him, we remain in this place of loving each other. And this week we're going to talk a little bit about um, what does that look like, particularly in groups of people. Um, why can't it just be like this organic one-to-one -one thing that we do, right? Um, some of you might have heard people say something like, I like Jesus, but organized religion. And you're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> like Organizations, I feel like especially in the last 20 years, we have so much more knowledge globally and so much more knowledge systemically of all of the dysfunction that comes up in groups of people. And it can make us really hesitant to give our time in that way. Um, in our small group this week, we were talking about 
um, why are relationships hard? And basically the unanimous thing was they take time and you have to like go and be with people instead of being at home, which is where you might want to be. And um, that that multiplies when you then add a group of people into it. It's not just the potential that they might hurt me, but that whatever the circumstances are in the organizational ether, um, you might have had an experience where you're hurt by that, right? Um, And so today we're going to be talking about the indirect invitation that Jesus gives um, to each of his disciples. Um, He directly calls them to follow him, but then there are these 11 other people who are always there, right? (laughs) Um, And we have to learn to be in relationship with God and with the people that Jesus has indirectly invited us to follow him with. Um, So I want to start by thinking about why is it worth facing the vulnerability of these group dynamics? Um, I think there is just the hesitancy um, around why can't I just do it one-to-one? Especially, I think, in my generation, there's a lot of hesitancy around it's only going to get more complicated um, if we have more people involved. But as the decline in group organizations has happened, um, we've also seen a rise in what's called collective loneliness. Um, Last week, we mentioned that uh, in 2023, the Surgeon General declared a loneliness epidemic in America, that we um, are in this time of extreme loneliness that is impacting our health disproportionately. Chronic loneliness is more dangerous for you health-wise than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And so this collective loneliness, um, Dr. Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General, talks about how there's intimate partner loneliness, like wanting a spouse or a partner to do life with. There's social or relational loneliness where we long for close friends. But then there's collective loneliness, and collective loneliness is the hunger for a network or community of people who share your sense of purpose and interests. And this is why you can have a great marriage, you can have great family, and still feel this sense of longing for greater relational satisfaction, because collective um, loneliness and collective efficacy are central to our sense of belonging, which is a fundamental human need. Um, And the opposite of this collective loneliness is collective efficacy, which is the willingness of community members to act on behalf of the common good of the group or community, right? And we can think of examples where disaster strikes a community and people rise to the occasion and help. Um, But as we feel less and less connected to our neighbor, um, and last week we said people are feeling less and less connected to their local community, that means that When disaster strikes, we're a little less inclined to help. And when disaster strikes us, there are less people helping us, right? And so um, we have this longing for communities that hold us um, and that when we are in need, that there are people to respond, as Scott kind of mentioned earlier. Um, And I found it interesting when I started talking about this series, Don Capo brought up that um, in the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, they talk about this community in Rosado, Pennsylvania, where a bunch of people um, immigrated from Italy and stayed. It's pretty isolated, still mostly this Italian immigrant community. And they started studying it because the, like, age of death was 35% higher. Um, The rate of heart attacks was 55% less. And they're like, what is going on here? (laughs) They thought maybe it was diet. Diet was fairly normal. They thought maybe it's where they're coming from in Italy. Maybe these people are just healthier. But other people who immigrated to the United States didn't have this story. Um, And it turns out that it was the 
um, multi-generational community that they had that um, they still lived in houses with three generations. They still owned businesses that way. They stayed up every night. They're, they described dinner time as there are no invitations, but everyone's welcome. And they would stay up way past kids' bedtime, sharing stories of their lives together. And I think it's not a coincidence that this is the kind of life that Jesus calls us to, right? That we are to be people who 20 years later look back and we're still telling the same stories every night together around the dinner table. That we are families who can look at generations and remember the ways that God was faithful to us. And so, like I mentioned earlier, the call to follow Jesus includes an indirect call to join a community of people. When AJ and I were talking about kind of this message and what I wanted to talk about, there's not a lot of passages about, like, why go to church or that church should be on Sunday mornings and you should go. (laughs) Like, that's not really in Scripture. But there are all of these places, like, everywhere in Scripture, they're in groups, right? Like, when they're in the desert, they are doing it together for better or for worse, right? Um, And when they are, when the 12 tribes of Israel are formed, they're brothers, right? Like, there's all of this relational stuff going on in Scripture. And we just loved this idea of um, thinking about the call that Jesus made to people to follow him. Like he's calling them out of their fishing boat. It's such a personal invitation. Um, But how might Peter have felt when then they stop at the tax collector booth and Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector (laughs) to follow them? And Peter's thinking, okay, so I get to spend all my time with this betrayer of my society, right? Like they had no choice in who else was traveling with them. And sometimes there were 72, sometimes there were 5,000 people, but these 12 were pretty much always together. And so what kind of relationship must that have formed for them? And we're going to look at a passage in Mark 9 that I think just shows how human these relationships were and the kind of moments that they shared together. And I want you to imagine yourself in the passage like as a 13th disciple, not just an observer, but maybe participating in the conversation. Um, And some of the feelings you might notice come up, Um, maybe some of the ways that you participate um, would be good to notice today. So it says, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples, which I love that we get that insight that this whole thing is supposed to be some sort of lesson. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they, the disciples, did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Which, for context, in Mark chapter 8, for the first time Jesus prophesies his death in a very similar way, Peter rebukes him and says, you're not going to die, people love you, you're performing miracles, everybody's following you, and uh, Jesus' response is, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) And so they're like, okay, he's bringing this death thing up again. I don't know that I want to be called Satan. So I'm just going to like sit on my, figure out what my question is, right? The fear of asking. I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting and somebody says something crazy and you look across the table and you kind of make those eyes at each other. Like I picture that moment with the disciples. So kind of picture how you're feeling in this story as the 13th disciple interacting with your peers. And then it says, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing arguing about on the road? But they were quiet because on the way there, they had argued about who was the greatest. 
So I want you to imagine going back to the road, sharing that moment of confusion, how somehow this became the conversation that we're talking about who's the greatest. <laughs> how did that happen? What are you thinking, feeling, doing? And then imagine yourself sitting with Jesus, and he's asking you to explain. <laughs> how do you feel? Does your body uh, lean in or move back? And then Jesus responds to you. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So I just want you to think about what stuck out to you, what you noticed in the story. If you have a piece of paper, maybe write it down. Um, and I would love to hear after the service what you noticed in this group dynamic. Um, and, but here are a few things that I noticed that might be coming to mind for you. I think first, just the confusion. Like, how many times must Jesus have said or done something that left them like, what just happened? <laughs> and in moments of confusion, we look at each other, we share that. Um, and then, like, the asking questions. Like, we hear places in Scripture where they ask Jesus questions in response to what he's doing. But how many more questions were probably asked at night between each other, trying to figure out what question they really want to ask Jesus about all of the things that they are taking in on this journey with Jesus. Um, I also just notice how easy it is for people to miss the point of what Jesus is doing, right? Like Jesus is going here with telling him about his death and they go here. <laughs> um, and there's this redirect moment, right? And there's something about missing the point with other people. Um, some people would say that the church has missed the point thousands of times throughout history, right? Um, but when we do it together, there's also this loving ability to correct that can come up through Jesus and through people. I also noticed in the story the need for forgiveness or an apology um, as I was, you know, imagining myself as one of the disciples. How much I want to apologize for Jesus for, like, turning his death into my greatness story. Um, but also, I, as I imagine the conversation that played out between the disciples and them discussing who was the greatest, I can imagine some hurtful things were said, right? Um, there was probably some need for... Uh, to go back and say, hey, I don't think I meant that about you not being the greatest. Um, and then there's this competition, right? Like I've shared before that before coming to, I had a really uncomfortable experience coming to Crossroads at first because I couldn't figure out how to be the best here. Um, in every church environment I had ever been in, it was just like so easy to learn how to be the best Christian figure out how to prove to everybody I was the best Christian. <laughs> and it was a very compelling uh, lifestyle for me. Um, but when somebody points it out to you, you can feel a little embarrassed, right? Like it, when Jesus notes for me that I've been acting out of a competitive spirit, um, there's this feeling that rises. And to be able to see that that happens in other people, right? It wasn't just one disciple alone having this experience. Together, they're noticing it in each other. It's really interesting. Um, and I love the invitation from Jesus that it's okay to be the very last. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, there's some reverse psychology that can happen where we like, think like, okay, so I'm not supposed to be the best. How do I figure out how to be the very last? And I really don't think that's 
the invitation from Jesus here. I think it's this um, permission to allow ourselves to be humble enough to take on this space where we are so unconcerned about earning the love of God that we are able to serve. And then the need to be a child. I loved that there's a random child here. Because at first I thought we were still just the disciples in Jesus. But he brings a child into his lap. And I think there's something really interesting about the fact that they were afraid to ask a question. And Jesus brings a child. And I've been around some kids who have asked some really weird questions lately. It's been very funny. Um, But they don't assume they should know the answer so they're able to ask, right? And that level of humility where you're able to be corrected because you don't assume you know is a space we want to be in with Jesus, but also with each other. It's the only way we can have healthy groups is to ask someone a question without assuming we know the answer first. And so this um, story had me thinking about the bigger story that the disciples lived together and how many times they must have shared that confused look. Like, I think any time the words son of man are used, they're like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, How many times they must have needed to forgive each other. So many times that somebody asks Jesus, right? Peter asks, how many times do we need to forgive? Seven times, 70 times. Like they got to learn that together, traveling together. How many times do you think they breathed a collective sigh of relief? Like I picture the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus is saying, feed these people. And they start walking out with their baskets of five loaves, two fishes. And then they're going to collect the baskets. And they look at each other like, oh, that was a close one. (laughs) Like, I don't know quite what happened. But together we witnessed this thing. Um, How many times they must have given each other some sort of pep talk. Like, I think of the sending of the 72 and they're going out in pairs and looking at their partner like, Jesus says we can do it. But now that it's us, um, just us out here in this community, what's it going to look like? Um, I wonder how many times they had to clarify with someone else. Was that what Jesus said? Like, after the Sermon on the Mount, how many questions must have come up of, did Jesus really say, blessed are those who mourn? Like... Or did I miss the word, right, in this oral tradition we're participating in? Um, I think there was a lot of clarification that happened between the disciples. And then um, how many times did they think, how did we miss that, right? Like falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane together and waking up and Jesus saying, can you not stay awake for one hour? (laughs) And being like, I wasn't the only person who fell asleep. All of us fell asleep. Like, that feeling of the group failure to um, be vigilant for Jesus um, would have been really impactful for their relationship. And then also, how many times did they wonder together, what now? Like, Jesus dies, and they're in a locked room together wondering, what now? And then Jesus shows up in that room, and they think, okay, what now? And then Jesus ascends into the clouds, and they're left kind of standing there, And then when they look down, like, they're just looking at each other. Like, what do we do now? Um, And I love that these disciples, after Jesus ascends, they are sent out. They're sent to different places. They start different churches. But there is this reliance on each other and the shared experience that they had with Jesus and that they come back and they make decisions together. Like, they have new people that they go and they connect with um, and that become community for them. But they do come back to this place of, 
wow, what did we experience together and how can we make decisions together for the good of all of the people who are now following the way of Jesus? And so one thing I've been thinking a lot about this week is that church is not just a bunch of people who have individual experiences of God. We go to church so that we can actually have a shared experience of God, right? I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but sometimes I have gone to other churches and I'm showing up experiencing me and Jesus, but it feels like other people have their experience of Jesus, and then there's this experience of Jesus, and I know that ultimately they're all Jesus, but I haven't shared enough of myself. I don't know enough about them. I don't know enough about what's going on in this community to be able to see what Jesus is doing among us together, right? And it's just so powerful that the disciples literally walked with the same Jesus. They knew Jesus so well. They knew each other so well after all of this um, that when they needed someone to bear witness to what was going on, there were other people who could say, yes, you're not crazy. (laughs) Yes, that really did happen. And that is so important to our relationship with God, to have those people who have shared our experiences and they know the role that God has played And as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about um, a few years ago when I was on staff with Inner Varsity Christian Fellowship on a college campus, and I worked with a ton of groups of students at Hillsdale. Um, In the middle are some of my um, fraternity and sorority Bible study leaders. They were a lot like me because I led a Bible study in my sorority. Um, Then the people on the right were like the worship leaders who cared a lot about like theology and language and music quality. And I knew nothing about that, (laughs) but I still got to lead their team and form these relationships with people who cared about very different things than I did in some ways. And then the team on the left, we just spent a week together Um, over spring break. They stayed in Hillsdale and we served the community by painting rooms and domestic violence shelters, by going to people who lived in poverty and doing their dishes and um, moving trash to a different place or whatever it may be. And those people were there for all different reasons. Like one is now an executive at Steelcase. One is now a missionary in Kenya. Um, Another person was just there because he had so much probation and community service hours. There was no way to finish it without this trip. And he ended up accepting Jesus in the middle of the week. Um, And that experience together um, made us feel like we had more in common than we had indifference, right? That experience of watching the transformation of someone's life when they got really honest and they were able to see God for the first time um, happened in that group. It happened in all of our groups. When I came on staff with um, InterVarsity at Hillsdale College, um, they were mainly just Christians gathering together. And in this um, school year, we saw 25 people um, form a relationship with Jesus for the first time. And it was unbelievable to see the shared purpose that came from such different people. On the next slide is a picture of our end of the year chapter camp. And this picture has the captain of the basketball team and like the RA from the weirdest storm who like only played Dungeons and Dragons. And these people loved each other. They had never met. They only spent a week together. But when they started talking about their experiences that year, 
when they started talking about how God was better than they thought, how God had done things that they never could have imagined, and that God involved them in that, that their prayer, like, to hear college students say, did you know that, like, you can pray and God does stuff? <laughs> like, and they're like, yes, because I didn't know, and I found out that when I pray, God does stuff. Um, and to be together was just so much joy um, in this final week of celebrating everything God had done on campus that year. And so much of it was just that we had this shared experience of God, right? We had collective efficacy because we knew that um, our purposes were aligned, that we wanted to be a part of whatever God was doing in our community, and that that was going to be better than anything else we could do. But there's also the reality, um, as high as the like mountaintops are in groups, in organizations, institutions, that sharing an experience of God is a really vulnerable thing to do. Um, and as imperfect people, it's going to be full of mistakes and opportunities to forgive each other. Like, thank God as Christians, forgiveness is central to what we do, um, because otherwise... No one's going to keep coming to church. Once you're burnt, you're going to be done, right? Like, we have to learn this way of forgiveness together, too. And the opportunities to forgive as, like, deeply harmful, and we will talk more in this series about how do we navigate that, they're so important to learning the way of Jesus because we don't learn to love in isolation. There is no way to learn love without forgiveness. There is no way to learn love, I would say, even just one-on-one, right? Like, we have to learn to love by—like, I learn so much by watching Jill and Charles love other people, um, even if it's not me. <laughs> I learn it when they, do, when they love me, and I also learn it when they are navigating it with other people. I learn so much when I watch someone forgive someone else about how I want to be when I need to forgive someone else. And by being in groups, we have so many more layers of learning happening. I love what Anne Lamott says, that earth is a forgiveness school, that this is the place that we come to learn what it means to forgive the way that God has forgiven us. And it's so important because developing awareness of self, God, and others happens together, right? Um, I think of it as a three-legged stool. Like if one leg is significantly longer than another, we're not going to be able, very stable person, right? And so without navigating our relationship with God, with others, we often actually miss awareness of self. Because often the things that bother us about, opportun- about other people are mostly projections of ourself. And when other people hurt us, we learn something that helps us to learn something about God, right? We need each other in order to develop healthy theology, in order to develop healthy lives. And sharing an experience with Jesus, um, if it's, it just requires a lot of vulnerability, right? Um, You have to share enough. The realistic truth is when I was at churches and not sharing my experience of Jesus, they didn't know enough about me to share my experience. I didn't know enough about them to share their experience. Um, And seeking God together is always vulnerable because we might see things differently. And I think when I say seeking God together is when we know enough about ourselves and about the other person that we are willing to ask things from God together, we're willing to pray together, and we're willing to act together to be the answer to each other's prayers, right? To hear the ways that God is calling us to answer um, the, the prayers we're praying right now, right? Um, this is something that requires a lot on our end in order to receive the benefits from. Um, 
to be able to share an experience of Jesus. So I want you to think about what might have led you to have shared an experience of Jesus, or what could lead you to share your experience of Jesus in the future. Maybe you can bring to mind some faces or people who have been there for you um, in really hard times, who have shared that experience, who have brought Jesus to you in really concrete ways. Um, I think it's fascinating that we talked about um, trust researcher Brene Brown last week and how trust is built. She says that the number one thing that comes up for people when she asks them about how trust was built is somebody came to a funeral, right? Like the simplicity of someone being there for you on a bad day, right? Someone showing up and being the face of God. What leads to this shared experience of Jesus? I have encountered people in that way at funerals. Uh, Maybe it also is praying together and seeking those answers together so that when we see the answer, we know it was God, right? And we want to invite you this summer um, to think about how could you have more shared experiences of Jesus because it is so much easier to see Jesus when there are other people watching too, right? Um, And we invited you earlier to those events, those summer great togethers, Um, But I also wanted to show you the faces of the people who are leading those events, who are welcoming you into their homes or their lives in some way um, to host these things. Um, And maybe these are people who you have shared an experience of God with before. Um, Or maybe um, you can notice someone who looks like maybe um, someone who could be that with you. And part of what it is, um, you know, AJ and I were talking about, we don't in any way want to think that showing up to a one-time event in a summer is going to, like, fix all your relationships. <laughs> like, I don't think that, and I'm not trying to sell you something with that. Um, it's more about having opportunities to notice who are the people who are seeing the same Jesus I am? Who are the people who I want to get to know, and I want to see how Jesus answers their prayers, right? Um, And so these are some of the people who you have the opportunity to connect with and notice while you're there. Um, Not just these people, but the other people present. Because church is a community. Like, I don't want to just know the people in my small group or just know the people that are my friends already, right? How do we meet new people so that we can hear and see and taste the ways that God is present with our whole congregation? Because we want to be a place where people are sharing this experience of Jesus, where there is um, victory for somebody, we want to be there in that victory, where there is desolation for someone, we want to be there with them in that desolation. And um, I do just want to acknowledge again that um, we are not um, the perfect community. I know that's shocking. Um, But we do want to ask you to join us in praying that we would be that place, right? Where people share this experience of Jesus, where they feel supported, where they feel collective efficacy, that when they had needs, the people around them showed up for them. So I'm going to invite the music team up on stage. um, And I'm going to show you, too, just the QR code to sign up for one of these events is going to be on the screen. It'll also be up later. Um, There's a sign-up sheet in the back with Jill, if that's something you're interested in. Um, But we're actually going to end today um, by praying a prayer together um, that we would be a healthy community. Um, So if you want to bring those slides up for us, and if you guys could stand. We are going to be reading a prayer that's written by Fran Pratt, um, this call-and-response book that is incredible. And I just love 
reading words out loud at the end of a service because I've been kind of tired. (laughs) Someone's been talking to me a lot. Um, So if you would be um, inclined, please read the words that are in bold, and I will read the words um, that are not in bold. So God, we know that you are in community with Creator, Christ, and Spirit. We know that we need each other and you to thrive, to share burdens. We know that you made us to learn in community from each other. As your Trinity is in perfect loving community, which banishes fear, which offers nourishment, which includes and liberates. We know that when we irritate or hurt each other, when we have conflict, when we have dialogue and listen, when we forgive and reconcile, we know that what annoys us about others We know that humility is our best attribute. So commune with us now. Teach us your ways. So I just want to bless you as you go out and enjoy this beautiful, even raining is beautiful, (laughs) July 4th weekend, that you would have time with each other, with the people that you love, and that you would notice all of the things that Jesus is doing in your life and in the lives of those you love. God, we thank you so much, and we pray that you would be present with us in the next days. Amen. Thank you. You're free to go.